1: Hello and welcome to episode three of Killing It, the Crime Cast. I'm Lux, and I am Sam, and we're gonna do some murder chat.
2: We're gonna talk about murder.
1: Yep. Um, just a bit of housekeeping before we start our third episode. Um, I've just finished. Well, I'm seven minutes away from finishing the last episode of Convicted, which is a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've told you a bit about it before. Yeah, you have. Um, the guy um, on it. It's sort of like a serial slash undisclosed type thing. Um, and the guy on it didn't really get a fair trial. And that's essentially what it's about. Um, she tries really hard not to say whether he's innocent or guilty. She just talks about whether or not he got a fair trial, which he definitely did not. Um, and I th- thought it was really interesting. And I don't want to finish the last seven minutes of it because then it'll be over. Yeah, and what will I do? Um, also, I just started the Unabomber thing on Netflix, which I think you've you've seen all of. Haven't oh, I've you? seen
2: all of it. Oh, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a bit gory in some bits.
2: It is, it, it can be a bit gory, yeah.
1: But that doesn't mean I didn't love it. So, I'm loving that so far.
2: It was a, it was a really good show. And I, I hope it becomes like a series, you know, because it, it has the title and then it talks about, um, basically it's a TV show about the catching of the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. And uh, it's on Netflix. It's absolutely outstanding. The acting in it is phenomenal. It's really, really well done. Uh, at times, I found it could be a little cheesy. Really? Uh, I don't know. It seemed like it was. It was very Hollywood for me. Okay. Like when I was watching it, because the actual story of Ted Kaczynski, the character f- uh, Fitz, is it the, the main guy? Mm. He doesn't exist. He's not a real person. Oh really? Yeah. The the story is very abridged, and although it's a good story, um, it's at times it just felt a bit Hollywood for me. Like it felt like all the lines were very like someone say a line, and then it was like bum bum, like right? Break, you know and. I don't know, I, I, that kind of pulled me out of it. I couldn't really suspend my disbelief when that
1: happened. Well, I think I quite liked that because, you know, I'm only like three episodes or so in, but I found it quite dramatic, like you said, quite Hollywood. But I think I liked that because I know the Unabomber case already. So I'm not watching it for facts. I'm watching it for entertainment.
2: Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, we're not watching it to be a documentary.
1: Mm, exactly. Anyway, so that's our little newsroom section on... How Much We Love Crime.
2: Yeah, little little things we've been watching. Uh, we hope these recommendations are useful. Because I, 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 like, although I had that, that little t- critique was my only critique. Mm. Paul Bettany as Ted Krasinski was unbelievable. Absolutely fantastic.
1: Um, Cool, yeah. So do, you,
2: uh, do you fancy going first today?
1: Yeah, let me chat about uh, the murder of D.D. Blanchard.
2: D.D. Blanchard. Mm-hmm. Are you sure it's Blanchard?
1: No, like Blanchard. Okay. Say it in an American accent. Blanchard. Yeah, that. there we go. That will be it then, won't it?
2: Fair enough,
1: yeah. Um, and a lot of this information is from a documentary which is available on YouTube called Mommy Dead and Dearest.
2: Oh, <laughs> I just got that. Oh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that pun.
1: Little bit of a content warning. There is child abuse in this story. Um, obviously there's murder, there's talk about rape, and there's Munchausen syndrome, which I'll talk about later, but essentially a lot of illness and stuff. Right. Um, it's, it's not fun.
2: I wasn't expecting it to be fun. But, no. But, but please, let's, let's do it.
1: Let's get started. So, um, Dee Dee Blanchard um, was born in 1967 in Chack Bay, Louisiana. Um, in her youth, she'd engage in petty theft, um, which was often re- retaliation when she didn't get her way. And her mum was actually quoted as saying that, um, you know, if she didn't get her way, you'd get it. Pretty messed up kid. There's actually a rumour that she killed her mother. By denying her food this can't be substantiated uh, unfortunately but yeah so kind of rebellious youth engaged in petty theft she did some like fake checks and stuff like that kind of a shitty kid um and then when she was 24 she became pregnant with 17 year old rod blanchard's child um so yeah there's a 17 year old called rod blanchard and they bone and she gets pregnant and they married Um, But they got separated shortly afterwards because um, Rod is quoted as like waking up one day and realizing I'm 18 and I'm married to this 24, 25 year old. Don't really love her. Just we just have a baby and sort of realized he fucked up. Okay. so um, they get separated and Gypsy is born. Gypsy Rose is the name of their daughter. And um, she was born slightly prematurely, which may have affected the development of her skull. That's pretty much the only health issue she has. Okay, that's, ba- that's pretty good. No, no, bear that in mind. That becomes very relevant. She is a healthy child.
2: She's a healthy child. Okay, yes. Okay, okay, I understand.
1: Um, when she was three months old, Dee claimed that Gypsy had sleep apnea. And from there on, the list of health issues attributed to Gypsy grew. And she actually stopped her from going to school after the second grade. So that's when you're like seven-ish. And around the same age, Dee put Gypsy in a wheelchair and made her use it. Her, oh, wow. her legs worked.
2: And okay. she she just
1: put her in a wheelchair and was like, Yeah, you have to use this now. Jesus. So she was homeschooled from then on, supposedly because her health issues were too severe for her to attend school. But they weren't. She was fine. And Dee Dee and Gypsy were living with Dee Dee's father and stepmother. Um, so they didn't have their own house. They were she was living with her grandparents. And um Dee Dee would um poison her stepmother when preparing her food. Oh my god. Um this was suspected, was never proven, um, but the stepmother and Didi's and father definitely suspected it. And so they brought it up and they said, look, you know, man, since you started living here and started cooking, she's going really ill. Like, are you doing anything? So she just sort of fucked off after that. She just got, got gypsy and left and moved out. Um, Maybe she
2: was just offended because she was very proud of her cooking.
1: Babe, no, it was poison.
2: I, I figured. I figured it was probably the poison.
1: Probably. Um... Also the father Rod, he tried to he really, he really tried to get involved in Gypsy's life. Um, and when he called her on her eighteenth birthday, Dee Dee told him not to tell her how old she was, because apparently she thought she was fourteen.
2: And how old was she? Eighteen. She was eighteen and she thought she was fourteen. Yep.
1: Yeah, so Dee Dee kept um Gypsy in a wheelchair. She said she had sleep apnea and a list of other things which I'll I'll tell you about in a minute. Um and yeah, she she was telling everyone that oh yeah, no, no, Gypsy thinks that she's 14. She thinks she's a lot younger than she is because she's so, like, childish. I don't have the heart to tell her her real age. Blah, blah, blah. Just some bullshit, basically.
2: That's so weird. So
1: so Rod's trying to get in contact, and not only is he not allowed to be honest with his daughter, but Dee Dee will always be there on the phone whilst Gypsy's talking, so Gypsy doesn't really have a conversation with him that's just the two of them.
2: She's always being mediated by her mother.
1: Uh, yeah, and Rod has a new wife called Christy, and she... She tried to reach out as well. So the two of them cared about Gypsy, tried to reach out um, and have a relationship. And Dee Dee would cancel plans when they planned to come and meet. And she would tell all of her neighbours that Rod was an abusive drug addict and alcoholic who never sent them any money. Right. Yeah. So she sort of just lied to everyone around them so that Rod couldn't gain access to Gypsy. And whenever he did have access, it was very restricted.
2: So she's physically and sort of emotionally ostracising her daughter from her father and all of her friends, all of her schoolmates, her family. She, well, she doesn't
1: have schoolmates because she doesn't get to go to well, school. Well, I mean, like yet. that was
2: the physical ostracize, uh, yeah, exactly. was ostracized. Yeah, exactly. She ostracized because she got taken out of school. Mm, Jesus, wow, exactly. okay. So she's completely alienating this girl.
1: And I have got a clip from the documentary I mentioned um, outlining all the illnesses that Dee Dee told Gypsy that she had. Okay. It's pretty intense, here we go.
0: Um, Asthma, epilepsy, um, hearing impaired, vision impaired, um, fed with a feeding tube, paralyzed from the waist down, um, slow, so uh, retardation, and among other things, I just can't remember them.
2: Yeah. Whoa. But was that was that Gypsy talking?
1: That was Gypsy talking. Yeah. Oh
2: my gosh.
1: So that's Gypsy in prison in handcuffs talking about her mum.
2: Whoa. Okay, well, I, I'm not going to ask any questions about the prison thing because I want to hear this story. And I mean, it's end. called
1: wow. "Mommy Dead and Dearest."
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I figured, but like, <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. So, um, so Gypsy was five foot, almost toothless, had a childlike voice, as you just heard, and um, also, uh, I think Dee Dee said she had leukemia or another form of cancer. So she would shave Gypsy's head and and would tell her oh yeah your hair's not falling out now but we're just trying to make it look neat so that when it does fall out you won't look weird and patchy so everyone thought that she was already on chemotherapy because of her bald head when actually she had no form of cancer and wasn't having chemotherapy at all wow. um yeah th- when they left the house gypsy would be in a wheelchair and they would often take an oxygen cha- oxygen tank with them and a feeding tube as well so to everyone else's eyes there was a very poorly child and a sort of saint-like mother who'd Dedicates her whole life to to caring for her. Wow! And actually, she did have some of the symptoms of the illnesses that Dee Dee said she had, but this was because she was being drugged with with medication, but medication that she didn't need. So obviously, there would be side effects. Yeah, from yeah. It.
2: She's just relying on those side effects. Wow. This Essentially, is un- this is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's I might be talking for quite a while because there are a lot of details like this. Wow. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm now going to play you a clip of Gypsy talking about the list of medications her mom put her on okay. and it is a list
0: here we go i was on breathing medication medication for seizures a medication to help go to the bathroom pain medication anxiety medication just everything i would have to put on the breathing machine every night I hated it, though, because it seemed to make my breathing worse, not better. And then another machine was for the feeding tube. It was controlling what I'd eat. Um, My medications would be put through there. I really wouldn't even have to be awake, so she could put whatever in my body, and I wouldn't even know.
2: Oh. It's really sad to watch. Oh, that sounds horrible.
1: Yeah. So her mum is in complete control of her body, right? And even though she knows that she can walk and she knows that the breathing machine makes her breathing worse rather than better, she's not allowed to not use the breathing machine. She's not allowed to walk. And um, they actually, she puts things on the window, Didi, that is, put things on the windows that people couldn't see into the house. And Gypsy would walk around when her mum was asleep because obviously she wanted to be mobile. She wanted to... Use her body in the way that she was able to. Yeah, and there was no physical restriction to that. Only her mum.
2: Oh my gosh! What do do we? Are you are you going to tell me why this is all happening? Yep. Oh my! I, I'm I'm so curious. Why on earth is she doing this?
1: I know it's ridiculous. So there's the starving her own mother to death, poisoning her stepmother, and now she's doing this to her daughter. It's uh, very bizarre. So. um Yep, the health issues, the well, the alleged health issues and the ones that are brought on by the side effects, carried on. Um, she was brought to local hospitals over a hundred times between two thousand and five and two thousand and fourteen. Okay. Um, and Dee Dee would tell Gypsy not to move her legs during the doctor's examinations.
2: Oh yeah. So she
1: she she would basically make her fake it. Um and also Dee, Dee would change her story of the family history based on what which doctors she went to. So if she went to, you know, the doctor for the seizures, she'd say, oh yeah, my family has a history of having seizures, et cetera, Um, in order to get the medication that she wanted. Whoa. Yeah. So she was a master manipulator. She managed to manipulate a bunch of doctors into getting these meds that she didn't need. Apparently, she stole a prescription pad at one point and started prescribing gypsies' drugs just by herself.
2: I mean, if it wasn't so horrific, it, it would be a little bit impressive. You it's, know, maintaining yeah. the family histories, the specific different family histories throughout all the different mm. all the different doctors. That's that's terrifying.
1: There was also um, Hurricane Katrina caused a flood in one of their um, houses, and she made up that she lost all her paperwork from that so asked for new paperwork and just told them what what was on the originals Jesus. so she she essentially was able to fabricate her entire life and have legal documents supporting this fabrication
2: oh my gosh
1: one doctor though wasn't fooled so there's this doctor called Dr <laughs> Flasterstein Flasterstein
2: uh, Flasterstein
1: I yeah I'm that.
2: Your silly rules will not work with me, for I am Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry.
1: No, amazing. I love it. Um, so he actually, um, she, took, she took Gypsy along to see him, and he noticed that Gypsy had leg muscles, even though at this point she apparently hadn't walked in nine years. So he just thought, for someone who hasn't walked in nine years, you're pretty muscular there. Yeah, your
2: solid legs aren't in atrophy.
1: Um, so he actually wrote in his notes as well, mother was not a good historian because she clearly made up family history. So he saw through the the fabrication of the family history.
2: That's classic, Flashtenstein, Making a little joke. <laughs> She's not very good at history.
1: <laughs> and he said he also suspected Munchausen by proxy. Have you heard of Munchausen before, darling? I certainly have, yeah. Um, I'm still going to play you a clip about it. Please do. Um, and here's Dost- Dr. Dost- Flashtenstein.
2: Flashtenstein
1: talking about Munchausen by Proxy um, himself. So here you go.
0: Munchausen by Proxy involves a caregiver who either feigns or actually induces illness in her children. And her goal is some kind of emotional gratification, looking for sympathy, attention, care, concern that she feels unable to get in any other way. It is a form of child abuse, first and foremost,
1: there you have it.
2: His voice is so disappointing to me because he's not like an angry German drill I sergeant. I know,
1: sorry, he's American. Um, but yeah, so he noticed this. Um, and he, so he wrote that in his notes. But Didi re- would request copies of the doctor's notes from social workers. And after she saw his notes saying, you know, that he suspected Munchausen by proxy and also that he that he didn't believe her um, fictitious pup, past. Um yeah. she just didn't return to the hospital.
2: She just didn't go back.
1: She just did not go back for years. Oh man. So she just, you know, someone cottoned on to her so she just left and um in Mommy Dead and dearest he does talk about why he didn't report it, but christy um Gypsy's stepmom is pretty obviously angry at him for not having taken it further. I mean, yeah, like if I mean
2: I respect Flachstein because I mean he and I have already clearly developed such a connection Oh yeah. Clearly. I've created him in my mind but like at the same time if you suspect that a woman is bringing in her daughter and lying about all of these symptoms but the daughter has some symptoms but none of the causes of those symptoms and then you do nothing just because she doesn't show back up
1: mm. that
2: seems really not
1: cool also the fact that in that clip I played he legitimately says it's a form of child abuse that's report it it's child abuse. Just yeah, saying sure. it yourself. Anyhow, so she she got away with that. Um, Didi was also physically abusive to Gypsy. She didn't just drug her and make her sit in a wheelchair and not let her go to school and not let her see her father. She would also hit her with either her bare hands or a coat hanger. So that's oh, a really fun life for Gypsy so far, right? That sounds absolutely horrific. I know. And this is the bit that creeped me out the most, right? So Didi obviously... Uh, is is controlling Gypsy. She's controlling her. She's not letting her walk around even though Gypsy herself knows she can walk. Um, she's telling her not to move her legs in the doctor's office. Gypsy is obviously there hearing lots of these different stories. But sometimes in a doctor's office, Dee Dee would put her hands over Gypsy's ears so as not to offend her when talking about all her various illnesses.
2: Oh, that's so manipulative. Oh my gosh.
1: So Gypsy didn't actually have the full picture of what her mum was saying about her, but she knew that at least some of it was false. And then also, whenever they went out in public, Dee Dee would hold Gypsy's hand you will not see a video where they are not holding hands. And this was so that if Gypsy said anything that was slightly out of line with the story they were telling anyone, Dee, Dee could squeeze it and Gypsy would know to shut the fuck up. Oh, man. Yeah, it's crazy.
2: Oh, that's so crazy. It, and
1: that just gives me the absolute creeps. It makes me so disgust. Like, obviously this is all abusive, but that, just that tiny gesture of, I control you, you speak when I let you. You say what I will let you say. It's
2: just constant mediation. Never being free. Ever. A, com- a complete lack of autonomy. That exactly. is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, so. Christ. So obviously, if you're gypsy, what, what are you going to do? You're going to try and escape, right? Of course. You're going to try and leave because this isn't fun. And I'll, sh- I'll play you a clip later. She, she, didn't, she didn't know it was abuse because she didn't know anything else, right? But she knew she wasn't loving it. She knew she yeah. didn't enjoy it.
2: You can have an innate sense of this isn't okay, even if she didn't have anything to compare it to, like any other life. Mm. I mean, obviously, being taken out of school really detrimentally affected her ability to be able to see that this wasn't normal.
1: Exactly, you don't have anything to compare it to. Um, so, she, when she's an adult, um, so in either 2009 or 2010-ish, she's, you know, 18-ish. You know, again, it's hard to know her actual age because her birth certificate was forged after the Hurricane Katrina. So... Yeah. Um, a neighbor said that Gypsy once showed up to her door without her wheelchair and asked a ride to the local hospital um, to visit a man that she was romantically interested in. Okay. Um, she got to the hospital and the man was sort of berated by everyone because obviously she looks a lot younger than she is. And she actually shows up with a birth certificate and says, no, no, look, I'm an adult and this is a man I'm interested in. This is okay. Her mum finds out, comes to the hospital shows the fake document that she forged. So just to clarify, they didn't lose the initial documents in in the flood.
2: Yeah, no, of course. yeah. yeah so yeah.
1: so she does have the originals, which is what Gypsy's carrying. But Dee Dee shows up with the fake and says, no, Gypsy's lying. Gypsy, apologise to everyone for all the trouble you have caused. You are a child. This is not okay. And takes her home. Man. Yeah. So she's using the internet and stuff now, and she starts getting into sci-fi. Obviously, she's met this man over the internet as well, because when else is she going to meet him? Mm. Um, and she goes to sci-fi conventions, or you know, as much as she could, um, because in her wheelchair she could sort of blend in. Yeah. And you know, she started making friends there and stuff. Um, in 2011, she ran away from home and went to VisionCon which I assume is sci-fi stuff.
2: I assume it's similar to Comic-Con. But actually what you were saying is like, places like that are very open and accepting. Mm, They really are. Sort of like sci-fi conventions, there's a lot of people who uh, exist in a subculture that, you know, like TV and Hollywood sort of tends to frown upon and present them as like nerdy idiots. But like, honestly, like it's such an open and loving space. It's all these people who respect the hell out of each other and respect the hell out of these things that they love. It's a very accepting environment, so I, I unless I can... you
1: don't know anything about oh, no. sci-fi if, if and you, you rock up, <laughs> if you turn up
2: and you're you're at a Star Wars convention, you're like live long and prosper, you will be lynched.
1: <laughs> exactly, it's horrific. But yeah, no, she, you know, she she would have a good time there. So she actually, um, she went to VisionCon and she met up with a man there who she'd met online, and she disclosed to him what had been going on with her mother, and he said, "Nope, that's gross. Pack a bag, move in with me." we're going to get you out of this this isn't okay so she did that she packed a bag and she hitchhiked to get to his place dd Dee Dee found her within four hours
2: four hours mm. yeah how i don't know that is insane yeah what, how, i'm so confused i want to know how
1: um i don't it didn't say in the documentary and it didn't say online so i don't know but Again, she's very manipulative. What 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 year did this take place? 2011.
2: Okay, so like there could have been phone trackers. She could have checked uh, her daughter's internet history. That's true. That's true. Things she could have seen where she was going. Especially if she went to
1: the police and uh, maybe missing person. And also, she knows
2: the guy, the mum, Dee Dee. She's met the guy. She berated him about the birth certificate. No, this is a different guy. A different guy. Mm, Yeah. Oh my bad.
1: So again, she produced this fake paperwork saying that she was super young, and told the man like, look leave my kid alone or I'm going to tell the police and let them know that you were like poaching a child. Mm. So obviously he backs off. Fair enough. Um, and then when they got home, Dee Dee smashed Gypsy's computer with a hammer um, and threatened to do the same to her fingers if she ever tried to escape again. Oh, no. So obviously she knew that she'd contacted the man through the internet and was getting involved in sci-fi through the internet so she smashed her computer. That's her portal out of there. Yeah. And that's she completely destroyed door it. door to
2: the outside world.
1: Exactly. And she just destroys it. And she then handcuffed Gypsy to a bed with a sort of leash and handcuff combo for two weeks. What? As punishment for trying to escape.
2: Two weeks? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. Oh, that is horrific.
1: Um, she also then got a lawyer to draw up some papers to say that Gypsy was incompetent. So if Gypsy ever did try and escape again, really, really easily, Dee could just say, oh, well, maybe she's an adult now, according to the fake birth certificate, but she's incompetent, so I'm her carer, and she has to do what I say. She doesn't know what she's doing. Mm. So Gypsy, obviously, she's not enjoying it. She's terrified, but she doesn't feel like she can report her mum, obviously. But here's the clip of her saying that she doesn't think it's abuse because she doesn't know anything else.
0: I really didn't think any abuse was going on. Um... It's like when you're abused, but you've lived that way your whole life. You don't really know that you're being abused. You don't know any different.
1: So she's not really saying anything that we haven't said yet, but I just thought it was important to hear it in her own words because you hear the, you hear the pain.
2: It is quite haunting yeah. hearing her voice. She seems to be stuck. How old is she at this point?
1: About 25.
2: About 25. She seems to be stuck in like perpetual adolescence. Yeah. Uh, not even, even that, perpetual childhood.
1: I mean, you know, she had to teach herself how to read by uh, just tr- trying to work her way through the Harry Potter books. Oof. So she has had pretty much no education, no experience of the outside world, nothing. So she is, you know, she's probably got the mental capacity to to blossom into adulthood, but she's not there yet. Yeah. And obviously now she's in prison. That's, that's even more limited. All pretty crappy. Um, Gypsy started using the Internet again, though. After her mum would go to sleep, she'd start using the internet. I think she must have been using the family computer or something since as, as her laptop got smashed. Um, so she was hiding her internet use from her mum. And she went on a Christian singles Facebook group and met Nicholas Goadjohn. And they began a relationship four days later. Okay. Sounds pretty nice. Yeah. Sounds like he might be her way out. He's not.
2: Is it, is it her mum?
1: Oh, that would have been a good twist, oh, wouldn't it? Man. No. Oh, that's where I thought you were going. With. No, no, I no, thought no. it was
2: like a catfish scenario. No. Oh, that would have been that would have been devious. I mean,
1: this is kind of almost worse, maybe. Oh, okay. We'll we'll see. <laughs> Fair enough, Carolyn. Um, so Nick had a criminal record for indecent exposure, and he also had a history of mental illness. He claimed to have multiple personality disorder and also to be autistic and maybe have Asperger's as well. I've always
2: liked the phrase indecent exposure. Mm. Cause I think like exposure sort of defaults that it's, it's the dick and balls, but like mm. indecent exposure, like is decent exposure if you expose it and it's wearing like, like a hat, you've got a little top hat on it and a little mustache. Is that a decent exposure?
1: Have you ever heard about the cheese guy?
2: The cheese guy? Yeah. What cheese guy?
1: The guy who used to go around flashing people and, like, put a bit of cheese in front of his Oh, yeah,
2: he had a little fake cheese in front of his bits.
1: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so he claimed to have these things. Now, is it just me, or is multiple personality disorder not a thing, technically, anymore?
2: No, 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 it is. It definitely is. Are you sure? There there have been a couple of cases that have been actually really highly backed up. Okay, Um, because... It's
0: impossibly
2: rare. It is unbelievably rare. Mm. Um, Obviously, people seem to think it's synonymous with schizophrenia, but multiple personality disorder is far far less common than schizophrenia Mm. but I mean there are still some psychologists who believe it isn't real Mm. but there are some very very backed up cases of like single case studies
1: um so yeah I sort of thought maybe uh, maybe he's faking it I don't know I'm not a psychologist I'm not an expert on anything to be honest so yeah I don't know but anyway so that's what he claimed to have so he introduced a BDSM element into their relationship And this was over the internet, so obviously he was just saying some kinky things. And Gypsy was initially uncomfortable with reciprocating, but he sort of convinced her to take part. Which, I mean, okay. I feel
2: so bad for this girl.
1: I know. So they haven't actually met at this point that they're having this online relationship and there's a BDSM element. And Nick's ex... His ex-girlfriend messaged Gypsy on Facebook because obviously they were putting that they were in a relationship on Facebook and all this disgusting stuff yeah. that couples do like, oh, i found the perfect man. <laughs> yes, his ex messaged and warned her that he was a bad guy. Um, but Gypsy didn't really take notice. She thought, well, this is an ex. Obviously, she's not had a great experience because they're not together anymore. It's probably nothing. She should have taken notice. Um So he said that he had multiple personality disorder, as I've already said. Um, But he also said that he wanted each of his personalities to have a girlfriend. So he told Gypsy to make up personalities that could go with his personalities so that they could date. Right. So she made up... It's actually really uncomfortable to watch this part in the documentary because... She's very clearly childish. She makes up like an evil side that's called like Ruby or something. Mm. She makes up a slutty side called like Candy. She makes up like a, a daddy's girl sort of submissive side. It's uh, very uncomfortable yeah. to watch. And it's very evident that she's just making them what she thinks he wants. Yeah, um, And so it, they've, been, they, they've been doing this for about a year now. And she told him about the abuse that her mother was inflicting upon her. Mm -hmm. And he said that he would protect her from anybody because he cares about her, all of this. He'll protect her from anyone. He'll do anything to protect her. So they start discussing murder. Oh, wow. And call it, they call it plan B. So when they're talking about their future together, they always refer to plan B if they can't be together in any other way. Um, So they're, they're discussing it. It's in their minds. And Gypsy... Actually decided, you know what? I want my mom to meet my boyfriend, but she'll be pissed off if she knows that I've met this man online. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get him to come to my town. He lived in Wisconsin, she lived in Springfield, and um, he said that her plan was for him to bump into her whilst they were at the movie theaters. They'd both be in costume for whatever sci-fi movie it was, I suppose, and then they'd. Strike up a relationship. Oh, I've bumped into you. You're wearing a coat. I'm wearing a coat. Oh, let's be friends. Again, very childish, which adds to the whole kind of bitter element of the story. It's very... Yeah. Um. Anyhow, so that didn't actually work. Big surprise. But they did fuck. So she didn't introduce him to her mum, but they went into the men's bathroom and they fucked for the first time at the movie theatre. Whoa. So their discussions of plan B started to get more and more real. And Nick started saying that when he did it, he wanted to rape Dee Dee. He wanted to rape her and kill her. Oh. It was a sort of fantasy of his to rape somebody. So Gypsy made a deal with him. And she said, you can't rape my mum. But how about after you kill her, I will let you rape me. I won't consent to the sex that we're having. And apparently he bit her quite hard. And she genuinely did not consent to the sex because she didn't enjoy it because it was quite violent. And she does consider it to be a rape. Jesus. And that was the price she paid for her mum not being raped before she was murdered. Oh my Lord. So her mum was murdered. You, we, we've got that so far. Yeah. This is plan B. Plan B comes to fruition in June of 2015. Dee Dee fell asleep. Gypsy texted Nick, said she's asleep now. Nick said, all right, come and give me the bits. So she gives him duct tape, gloves and a knife. And she said, after the crime that she didn't expect him to be able to do it
2: yeah that that comes up a lot, yeah, this like because her mum is this like omniscient omnipresent figure, mm. all powerful, and it's just like she doesn't believe he can be killed
1: I think she got a bit carried away, and again, she's not really grounded in reality, so I can see how she doesn't it doesn't actually register as a real thing that might have been happening, yeah. Um, this bit in the documentary gets dark, so I'm not playing any clips. Um, so Nick told Gypsy to go into the bathroom and cover up her ears, so that he wouldn't, she wouldn't witness any any parts of the murder. And he goes in and he starts stabbing Dee Dee in her sleep, and Gypsy hears it all. Gypsy hears her mum screaming her name, screaming for help, and dying. Oh. Um, after that, they mailed the knife that Nick had used to kill Dee Dee back to his home in Wisconsin which was actually his parents' house, because of course he lived with his parents. Of course. Um, and they both headed there. Now, here's a clip of Nick and Gypsy talking. They're gonna be talking about essentially the plan that they had and why the plan happened and how it came about. Okay. So here it is.
0: The truth is, okay, I'll admit it. I did actually stab up, I will admit it. I know, okay. The only reason I did it is because I did it for me and her. That's the real reason I did it. I would have never did it if it was not for me and her. Okay. So I know that he loves me, and he would do anything for me and to be with me. Did Gypsy know that you were going to kill her mother? Um, honestly, she asked me to. Okay.
2: Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: Pretty intense, right? That's very intense. So it's just two kids. One might be autistic or have Asperger's. One is definitely just being kept in her childhood by her mother. So her mental state is not that of an adult. Oh. And they're there like, oh, we're in love. We're doing it for love. We need to do this to be together. They're. It's clear that they don't really get it.
2: Yeah, it's interesting actually because hearing it um, up to this point, mm. the character of Nick has been this like malicious crazy character who was like yeah I'll kill her yeah I want to rape her though mm. but the second you hear that that story and you hear him speak and he's like uh if I'm going to be he's a kid as well
1: yeah he, he is.
2: seems like really young as well he, 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 he you know he doesn't I, sound like this crazy malicious
1: well the problem that I have with Nick is that if you read the text messages he's very Bossy, demanding, sexually explicit, wants all of this. She has to say like yes, sir, and stuff to him, which is you know, fine, except when you're telling her to go to the bathroom so you can murder her mum and she goes, yes, sir,
2: yeah, but at the same time, like uh, given that online presence and that mm. uh, like you know the, the the phrase keyboard warriors, like these the people who are behind a keyboard uh, they feel much more comfortable being like direct and aggressive mm. and strong. but then in person, this guy's speaking, and clearly he's not this like, Demanding, oppressing, like guy. He's just a he's just a fucking kid. He has some sick twisted fantasies, and he's a sick twisted guy. Mm. But you hear him speak and he's not this like malicious guy. I'm not defending him. Yeah, I'm just saying it's yeah, interesting yeah. that his character isn't just this like crazy Disney villain presence.
1: Yeah, it's definitely more. There's there's more to it than that. Yeah. Um so they get to his house in Wisconsin, they actually stay in a motel, and there's a really creepy video of them both in bed with their clothes off clearly after sex and they're like giggling and joking around and they just killed her mum the night before. Oh, wow. Um, it's very creepy. Um, but they get they get to his home in Wisconsin and they just say to his parents like, oh yeah, um, she's been living in a homeless shelter. Her mum isn't like helpful or anything. That's why I need my girlfriend to live with us. Is that okay? Yeah, sure, honey, it's okay, fine, whatever. Um, But they started to worry that no one would find the body.
2: Can I just say, like, he's a sci-fi nerd who travelled away and he comes back with it, like, they've probably put up with so much shit in the past, he comes back with a girl. They're like, oh my god, this one's real. Get her inside, get her inside now.
1: Literally, I can imagine that they were ecstatic to to know that he had friends and a girlfriend. Oh
2: my god, it's someone real this time. Is your name Dominator? Is your name the Terminator 1647? No, oh, it's not. It's a real name. Oh, it's Gypsy. Oh. Well, beggars can't be choosers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, they worried that no one would find the body. I don't know why they had such a worry about this, but they did. And so Gypsy started posting things to to Didi's Dee page, as in Dee Dee's Facebook page as Dee Dee, saying shit like, that bitch is dead, yeah, I raped the mum and the girl too. All this weird, gross stuff, hoping that someone would report it to the police, thinking that, you know, a murderer had gone into their house and then posted it on their Facebook, I guess. Weird. Yeah, very weird. But it worked. I mean, the police went to the house and found the body. Yeah. And the wheelchair was still there. And so was all her medication. So was the feeding tube thing. So was the oxygen tank. So they think somebody has kidnapped this defenseless.
2: Sick girl. Yeah, wow.
1: someone's kidnapped her and they start freaking out. Um, but then the neighbor, who Gypsy had confided in previously, she, Gypsy had also confided in her about Nick. And the neighbor goes, guys, Gypsy was actually talking to this guy on the internet. Maybe that would be a place to start. And so with this information, the police in Wisconsin were able to arrest both Nick and Gypsy. Because obviously they rock up, Nick's there, Gypsy's there, Gypsy's fine. So they both get arrested. Because it's like, What the fuck has happened? Yeah. Um, So due to the abuse that Gypsy suffered by her mother, her first degree murder charge was reduced to the charge of a second degree murder charge under a plea bargain. Right. So she got a plea deal. And so in July 2015, Gypsy accepted the plea and was sentenced to 10 years in prison with a minimum of 85% of her time served. Wow. That's it.
2: That's that's it for the conspiracy and... A, a party to the murder of her own mother.
1: I think the abuse comes into it a it, lot. It was her only escape route. It must really. have it, come it, into it, it. It must have been the last straw for her to go, I've tried to escape several times. She's now got these documents that say I'm incompetent. She's got all this stuff. She's drugging me so that, you know, I'm feeling ill and, and all of this. She's in complete control of me. What can I do?
2: Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, that had to have come into it. Yeah. It must have come into it.
1: Um, so Nick faces more severe charges because uh, he's the one who actually carried out the murder, obviously.
2: And he wasn't abused by this woman for years and years and years and years.
1: Yeah. So um, prosecutors are also um, arguing that he's the one who initiated conversations about murdering DD. DT, DT, sorry, they're saying that it was his idea. Um,
2: I kind of, I kind of agree. I mean, th- th- yeah. this girl, like she. I mean,
1: she if you look at the text messages, it was definitely Gypsy thought it might be an avenue, and he went, yeah, I'll do it, yeah, let's do it. So he was definitely the one who right. made it a reality. He turned it into As opposed to like just it. like, haha, yeah, we could just kill her, lol, into an actually, let's kill her, that is plan B, we will do it. Yeah. Um, so actually his trial hasn't happened yet. Wow, really? Yep, his trial was postponed in January of 2017, because his attorneys argue that he has an IQ of 82 and is autistic, and so they are suggesting diminished capacity, which is fair enough.
2: I mean, if that is his actual IQ, then yeah. yeah.
1: Well, the prosecutors have requested a second psychiatric exam. So because of that, the trial's been delayed to November of this year,
2: 2018. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: So we'll be able to follow up on this case and see what happens next.
2: Set your dates in the calendars, folks.
1: And just so we're not too sad about what's happened, I'm going to play you this clip from Dee's stepmother and her father as well, talking about how they don't really mind that she's dead she was a piece of shit. Okay, go. I, I didn't believe that she
0: was dead. I thought it was another one of her tricks.
1: I was like, what, who
2: did Dee Dee piss off now? You know, what, what, did, what kind of shit did Dee Dee get into? I wasn't thinking, oh my God, my aunt's dead. Because I figured that one day she'd she piss off somebody to that point, you know? And I, I actually did think that it'd probably be Gypsy, you know,
0: and uh, whenever we later got the word, that Gypsy was fine and she was by her boyfriend's house. We were like, she killed her mom. She finally did it. She couldn't take it anymore, you know? She finally just said, fuck it all. I'm killing this bitch. She got what she deserved. And all the, all the brothers and sisters don't care about the dinner more. She got cremated. She said, what you want me to do with the axes? Everybody said, I don't want her. I Darkness don't want her. I told her, flush that in the toilet. <laughs> they want- her sister said, flush that in the toilet. She said, we're going to bring that in mama's room, make her mask and everything. I said, you gonna you going to pay for it? I'm not paying for it. you going to get that? She said, we can't afford it. I said, flush it in the toilet.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going
1: to pay more. goddamn am going to
2: get it. Flutten down the toilet. I ain't putting money none of that shit. What that bitch do now?
1: I forgot to mention also, that's her nephew, Bobby. As well, so um, yeah, no one in her family liked her, not surprisingly, because she killed one of them, poisoned another one, and abused another one. So all the family members are just there, like, good riddance, goodbye.
2: Yeah, flushing down Flutter the toilet. down the toilet. Oh God, damn it! I ain't
0: going to the paper land. Flushing down toilet. You going to the land of poop now, darling? I ain't going to miss you. <laughs> so
1: yeah, the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard by her daughter Gypsy Rose Blanchard and Nick good john
2: that was a crazy story yeah i'm that so sorry it took insane. so long
1: but you understand why i couldn't really cut no, details absolutely. I understand, I the details out the abuse is so crucial to the story Yeah, this
2: episode is probably gonna be a bit of a long one but worth it that was mm. such an interesting story wow that was amazing thanks babe that's perfectly all right
1: yeah so um why don't you tell me about your guy
2: yeah okay now i'm gonna get into uh i'm gonna get into my guy now so uh this guy is named lamb core one now this is set in um, Hong Kong. Okay. So there's a chance I'm going to get some of the pronunciation of the names wrong. Probably. Almost definitely. Why
1: don't we play that game where you tell me a serial killer or a mix of serial killers that are similar to your guy, and I'll try and guess what he's done.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Okay. Okay, 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 Um, I can only really think of one. Mm. He's a very, he's quite Bundy-esque.
1: Oh, okay. He's
2: quite Bundy-esque in terms of what he did, but like... Just, just like that's... He's Bundy in the first half of his crimes and not the second half.
1: So no, like, corpse fucking? <coughs> oh, okay. Do you maybe want to do your content yeah, warnings I,
2: here? I, was I think that's when I'll start doing it. Um, so my content warnings for this section are there's a little bit of necrophilia. A little bit, just a, just a little, little bit, just a little bit of necrophilia. Um, and basically, also, it's gonna be, it's a, it's he's it's a pretty gruesome killer. Mm. It's a quite a gruesome story.
1: Hopefully, we can make it fun, so as not to keep being saddened by this horrific tale of abuse I have just told.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I like to keep it light. Yep, um, just so a little
1: bit of necrophilia. Just, just a bit. That's us keeping it light on. On killing at the grand cast. We
2: should have got rid of the necrophilia. Should have flushed it down the toilet. Um, Right, so, uh, his name is Lam Cor One. He is the first ever known serial killer in Hong Kong.
1: No. No
2: other known serial killer before him. Shut up. Absolutely. Like, he he was referred to as the taxi driver killer. He also had a couple of other names.
1: Oh, you could have brought up the taxi driver that's case that's been going around London.
2: Oh, yeah, that's happening right now, isn't it? Well,
1: I mean, he just got released.
2: Oh, man, that's crazy.
1: Um, yeah. Anyone yeah. who doesn't know it, look up um, the London taxicab rapist. Yeah, it's pretty I'm sure insane. you'll find it.
2: Um, so, Lam Korwan, he killed four women over five months in Hong Kong. Um, so, he was the first known serial killer, but he's still only one of two.
1: What year is this first known serial killing thing?
2: Uh, the first known serial killer, I believe he was caught in 1983.
1: That's really late. Yeah, really late. Really late. That's that's
2: even after the serial killer boom of the 70s. Uh, really late. So um, his early life. uh, uh Korwan was born in nineteen ninety in nineteen fifty five. Sorry, mm. in Malaysia, he grew up with his mother, father, and brother. The father was extremely abusive to all of his family members. Extremely abusive. Mm. Apparently, when um, when K- uh, Lamb was two, his father hit his head against the wall so hard he got two black eyes.
1: When he was two when he years was old. Two years old. What the fuck has a two year old done to you? Like cried a bit, pissed himself. Who cares? It's not worth it.
2: Not worth it. No, and you know, surprise, surprise, head trauma. A oh, yeah, killer. obviously. That's one unbelievably box. common occurrence. Um, so his family moved to Hong Kong when he was quite young. His parents hoped he'd be able to have more freedom when he was in Hong Kong, moving out of Malaysia. But um, when he arrived, he was still like a real outsider. He ostracized himself from other people. Um, he really didn't have any friends. In
1: what sort of way? Are we talking sort of Dharma way or are we talking like nerd way?
2: Um, well, actually probably a bit of both, like he just really didn't speak to anyone. Dharma was more of a weirdo kid, but he was still quite vocal. Mm -hmm. And you know, the nerd kid was sort of, uh, had a small collection of friends, was just alienated from the like air quote popular kids. Mm. But he just didn't speak to people. He just avoided everyone. He he, he wasn't really in a category. He just didn't, he alienated himself. Oh, okay. Um, After high school, he became a taxi driver and he worked almost exclusively late night shifts. Um, And he also started, around this time, becoming obsessed with pornography.
1: Of course.
2: Absolutely obsessed with pornography.
1: Are we talking like tentacle porn or like vanilla shit?
2: It just says pornography. Uh, Eventually, uh, this desire for pornography began to escalate, escalate, as it always... Does with serial killers I the mean, escalation yeah. in this crime is the escalation with the serial killer is very clear.
1: Would you maybe actually say he was a spree killer if it happened over five months?
2: I wouldn't because spree killers tend to be a lot shorter. Mm. So Richard Chase is still considered a serial killer, but his crimes happened over like one month.
1: Mm. You know,
2: so uh, I think I think four victims they're quite spaced quite that's far true, apart. Actually,
1: that's less than one, fewer than one a month.
2: Actually. And also he follows the trajectory of a serial killer in terms of escalation.
1: True, he doesn't just go on a mad one.
2: Exactly, yeah. Um, So basically, he began trying to sort of achieve this desire outside of just uh, pornography. Uh, He began to bring a Polaroid camera with him wherever he went.
1: Wait, wait. Did he pretend to be a photographer so he could photograph naked women and then tie them up?
2: No. Actually, no. He he, he was uh, was, a... If anything, he was dedicated to the integrity of his craft. He didn't want to sully the name of a photographer.
1: That's... He's unusual.
2: a good guy. He was a good guy. Oh,
1: yeah, I'm sure he was a great guy.
2: <laughs> um, basically, he began taking photos of women under cubicle doors in public toilets. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this image. Like, And the ladies would notice, obviously, because a man just puts a big old 80s Polaroid camera underneath the cubicle and like takes a flash picture of also, them. Also, so
1: that's not when their vaginas are hot. Like, you're pissing, you're shitting. That's yeah, not...
2: that's not sexy.
1: I mean, some people think it is, but... Oh, that's fair, actually, yeah. we should start small, man. We shouldn't keep Start contain.
2: small. Um, and basically the ladies would notice and they'd chase him down the street.
1: <laughs> With I, their pants around their legs, Yeah, waddling. Literally just like
2: waddling, just like yelling at him. Dripping.
1: It's like, call
2: one! <laughs> just like, I don't know, that just seems very like prep school, you know, you're at summer camp and you steal the and underwear. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, or someone like steals your towel when you're in the shower. Yeah, exactly. Sort of like a prank. But um, it's, I mean, it's not.
2: I am certain in real life it was terrifying for the women and Actually, to be honest, probably for him. Doesn't that
1: count as assault as well?
2: Absolutely absolutely it counts as assault. But then again, this was either the late 70s or the very early 80s. Um, So... So women aren't people. Do what you want. of course. It's totally fine back then. Women only became people in 2006.
1: Teen. (laughs) No, no, no.
2: This happened a lot of times. So he eventually decided he had to change tactic. He was sick of being chased down the street by angry women. Um, So again... As a serial killer will almost always do, it began to escalate. Um, so this is when we get onto his first victim. So obviously he was having these pornographic fantasies. It was it was escalating quickly. When you quickly. say
1: pornographic, you mean sort of very submissive?
2: I, I mean, he was obsessed with pornography by itself, but also I imagine his fantasies revolved around like control, mm. um, you know, just that sort of thing. Um, on February third, nineteen eighty-two, at the time, by the way, he was twenty-seven. Okay. At 4 a.m., he picks up Chang Fung Lan, uh, a woman who just finished her shift at the sh- Chinese Palace nightclub. Now, okay, I want to, I want to stress here. I don't victim blame. This is not none of this is her fault, right? Of course, she did not deserve to be killed. This is a horrible fate to meet.
1: But,
2: but she just sounds like the worst type of person. Okay. Right? I work in hospitality. I work in a bar, right? And man, if I was work, if I was serving this woman, I'd just be like, oh, leave please you would come home and moan to me about it oh I'd be so upset so basically she'd gone out for drinks after her shift and she was very intoxicated uh, she was picked up by Lam and she asked him to stop the cab so that she could throw up been there absolutely um, after she after she threw up it was like a it was a cheeky little tactical throw up uh, she asked him to turn around and take her back to the club where she was drinking with her friends.
1: So she had a, She literally had a tactical chunder and then was like, I'm good,
2: good I to just, go. I don't know why, I just pictured this girl like, hi, I've just been drinking, can I get in your taxi? And Lan's just like, yes. <laughs> and she's driving, and she's like, can you start the cab? I need to like throw up. And she just like throws up everyone. She's going, like, take me back to my friends. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, she's the worst sort of person. Oh, man, I just... Oh, I can't handle it. Sorry, I, I, like, I deal with people like this all the oh, time. Oh, I know, sorry. I know. Oh, they get under my skin. Um, and soon he would get under hers. Oh! Um,
1: oh! I'm oh,
2: sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, at this point, Lamb got really angry. And, as um, you would. As you would. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the tone back down because, obviously, she does not deserve anything that she gets. Of course not, no. She's just annoying, but that is not an excuse to do any of this.
1: No, she's just annoying. <laughs>
2: she's just annoying. Um... So basically, he stopped the car and he strangled Feng Lan with electrical
1: wire that he had just had lying around. He must have been planning it. it. Must have
2: been planned. Yeah. I mean, it has to have been. Um, he drove home with her body still in the car. Uh, he dragged her past the sleeping security guard into his home.
1: Oh and my god!
2: Stashed her body underneath the sofa. It's important what the at this fuck? point. It's important at this point to say um, he lived in a big apartment block of tiny apartments very very tiny apartments and the security guard is like there to watch people he was sleeping um a couple of things one it is an incredibly small apartment and he lives in there with his brother and his father
1: and he's put a dead woman under the sofa under the
2: sofa also the security guard is sleeping for all four of his victims
1: really every time oh, he that dude gets fired after this I comes know, out right
2: it's insane like, every single time. I mean, yeah, okay, it's like 5am, but at the same time, man, you're on the night shift.
1: You do night shifts. You I mean, don't fall asleep at the bar.
2: You know, like, come on. Core One's being productive. Why can't you?
1: Yeah, have well, a I coffee. Mean, slap yourself.
2: Yeah, that's the guy Go to do some murder. Exactly. So, uh, the next day, Lam waited for his family to wake up and leave. And he, um, he placed Feng Lun's body on a plastic sheet. He dismembered her so body. So, they n-
1: didn't notice the smell?
2: I don't know. I mean, it had only been one day.
1: But surely she was being squished under the sofa. I don't know. Oh, carry on. This is so gross.
2: So Lam waited for his family to wake up and leave, and then he placed Feng Lan's body on a plastic sheet. He dismembered her body with an electric saw and placed many different parts into different bags. Okay. He was uh, taking pictures this entire time. He then disposed of all the different parts at different points of the river. Um, a few weeks later, multiple multiples of these body parts were found, but there was no way to identify them. They were so disparate, they were so different. It was in many different pieces.
1: Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's not just like an arm and a leg?
2: No, it's like it's like a section of an arm and a section of a leg. Right. And like a kneecap, you know, things like that. Um, so as this was the 80s, there was no way for Korwan to print the photos apart from taking them to a Kodak development shop. No. Now understandably the guy developing the photos was like the fuck what so someone this? actually
1: saw them yes
2: right and Corwan's explanation was they were photos of a lab technician doing a body like an autopsy at a university that he worked at and that seemed to work the guy was like fair enough
1: bloody hell people are gullible aren't they
2: absolutely so uh, his second crime uh, his second crime seemed like it was a lot more planned out so he brought surgical instruments with him and he also bought some formaldehyde, mm. which will be relevant later.
0: Ooh! Um,
2: he picked up a woman, and again, there's not a lot of information on this woman. Uh, again, he strangled her with electrical wire. Uh, he took the body past the sleeping security guard again, who's probably like narcoleptic at this point.
1: Maybe it's four. Maybe it's four different security guards, and they're all just snoozy.
2: No, it's it's one guy. You it's reckon? Fucking snoozy McGee over there, who's been <laughs> whacked on the night shift because he's a fucking moron. And he's literally just like, "Well, they don't even pay me enough. I'm just going to fall asleep." And he's literally just lying there asleep. It's ridiculous.
1: i bet I'd have a nap if I was in. I know
2: you'd have a nap, but like, but that's why you're not a security guard. True. Uh, he um, this time again. So this breed pretty dark. He it escalated very heavily again. Every okay. crime, um, he had sex with a woman's dead body. Unfortunately, um, which is the first time he had ever had sex. Obviously, his fantasies. I don't he so counts as sex, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, first time
1: he stuck his dick in something.
2: No, I'm, you know, he's he's living in a small apartment with his brother and his dad. There are definitely some melons with holes cut in them. <laughs> uh, he then Fair dismembered point. the body into multiple pieces. Again, you have to remember this is all happening while his family are asleep in the same, like two-room Wait, they were asleep flat. for this one? He, yeah, he no, they were asleep for all of these.
1: No, I thought you said that he waited for them to leave for the first murder. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, sorry about dismembert. that. No, no, no,
2: the first one. But this one, he's doing it while they're asleep. With he the, did it on the, the night. With an electric saw? Yeah. He did it on the night. They
1: don't wake up at the. I guess not. It's like
2: 5 a.m. I mean, I guess they didn't.
1: Wow. He is lucky. Like, sleeping security guard. You know, family. Everyone's just so sleepy.
2: Everyone's so sleepy. I mean, they're all very tired in Hong Kong. So, after he had dismembered the body, he uh, dropped off all of the parts again in the river all over the city on his taxi shift. So he used shift. he used his shift to drive all along different parts of the river and throw the body parts in. It's
1: kind of like when you're taking a shit at work and you're like, "I'm getting paid to poop."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm getting paid to do my hobby. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're he not. Must wrong. have been pretty smug about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's not the thing he was most excited about. He's probably most excited about the dead girl. Probably. Um, his third victim occurred in exactly the same way to the second. It was almost identical scenario. Picks up a girl, takes her home, has sex with the body, dismembers, and then disposes of the body on his taxi shift. Okie dokie. His final victim was, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, it was uh, Lang wei sum uh, a 17-year-old student who had just gone for dinner with her classmates. She then uh, got into a taxi as she wanted to go home early. Uh, she didn't want to stay out. At 9.30 p.m., she was picked up by Core One. Um, He handcuffed her in the back of his taxi. He started to speak to her and continued to drive around and speak to her until 4 a.m. That's six and a half hours.
1: So she's just trapped in this car. She's
2: trapped in his car. He's driving around for six and a half hours, presumably waiting for his family to fall asleep. This says a lot. This actually I thought was interesting. It says a lot about his methods. Like he he found the perfect victim too early. Mm. You know, he wasn't just choosing people. He, like, found the perfect victim. Right. But unfortunately, it was the wrong time. So we had to drive around for six and a half hours. Because I, I think that just sort of says a lot about, like, what he was looking for. We don't have a lot of details about what uh, the, the the final victim looked like. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like, he must have, not, not, like, spotted something. He found his perfect victim.
1: Yeah. and Also, 17-year-old student. Pretty ideal for someone who wants to control.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So finally, at about 4 a.m., He strangled her with electrical wires, same as all the other victims. He took her home in exactly the same way. So he has he 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 achieved his M.O. pretty early.
1: Past the sleeping guard. Exactly. Yeah. Past the
2: sleeping guard. This guard is such an idiot. I'm sorry. So during the dismemberment of his fourth victim, while Corwan was taking photos, part of his lighting rig, he had a lighting rig. He was pretty
1: dedicated to these photos. Yeah, he was really
2: dedicated. This is insane. Part of his lighting rig fell down and landed on Waysum's sums leg and it left a pretty bad burn on her thigh. I mean, okay. she was dead at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then after dismembering the body and disposing it like all his other victims, he took the photos in to be developed. And I found out recently, he also took in video to be developed. What? This wasn't just photos. The fuck? Um... This is kind of a, a weird bit. Every, every every article I read focuses on this burn on the thigh. Basically, the story is the guy developing it at the Kodak shop, developing the film, developing the photos. He saw this burn on the thigh and he was like, that seems odd.
1: And he recognized it when the thigh showed up in the river?
2: No, 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 oh, okay. no, no, nothing like that. He just, he thought that doesn't seem right.
1: Mm.
2: Right. None of the other ones have had like physical injuries. This seems dangerous. Yeah. And also, presumably if it was a video, he'd see the lighting rig and he'd think that that doesn't look, this doesn't look professional at all. Yeah. Maybe the video is what solved it. Like, uh, I'm not sure. But, so everything focuses on him like finding this burn and like sort of a Sherlock Holmes figure kind of goes like, that doesn't add up. And it's like, there's a whole like big soul. But it turns out also, upon further reading, he also saw a severed breast. Like, as if that wasn't the thing that swayed him. As if that, wasn't the thing that made him go like, oh, maybe this isn't normal.
1: Also, how does he know what people like doctors do in postmortems? How does he know that slicing breasts isn't
2: I think the whole point th- is that he do. doesn't know. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> his Corwan would have been caught on the first one. Yeah, true. Uh, so basically, he informed the police and Corwan was arrested when he ta- uh, went to pick up the photos. Uh, this is the evidence they found. Basically, they followed him home and uh, they searched his house. Uh, Under his bed They found a locked metal box Inside were a number Of Tupperware containers Completely wrapped in duct tape And masking tape
1: Did they have the breasts in them?
2: I will get to that I will get to that Oh, okay Um, So Completely wrapped up Once opened They found A severed breast
1: Yeah, I knew it
2: You knew it You called it Um, And also they found a completely intact human vagina being preserved in formaldehyde.
1: As what, like a real life fleshlight?
2: No, 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 just being preserved as like a trophy. And also they found a number of different body parts in different boxes, all being preserved in formaldehyde in exactly the same way.
1: And his family didn't smell it.
2: Well, that's why they were being preserved in formaldehyde. It would have covered the smell in a locked box, tightly wrapped in masking tape. He oh. took great effort to not have it be present in his very small home.
1: But then what's the point in keeping the trophy? Because surely he can't have a little peek.
2: He knows they're there. Oh, I guess. That's it. Like yeah. He knows they're there. He, can, he, can, he knows that they are present in his, under his bed. Mm. It's pretty crazy. Uh, this is the reason that another one of his serial killer monikers is uh, the Jars killer.
1: But they weren't in Jars.
2: Literally, I was thinking the same thing. It's weird. Should have been like the Tupperware killer. Which doesn't sound as catchy. I understand now why they did Jars.
1: The box butcher?
2: The box butcher. Well, he was known as the taxi butcher or the Hong Kong butcher. So you're halfway there with butcher.
1: But he kept them in boxes. So...
2: Yeah. I mean, I understand. I mean.
1: The Tupperware truant.
2: The Tupperware truant.
1: Yeah.
2: What? Was he just like skipping school. <laughs> to murder. <laughs> um, so this being the first known serial killer in Hong Kong the police did not believe that one man could have done this. As well as the fact that the box and the evidence was so substantial and the home was so extremely small. I cannot stress how small this home was for three people. Mm. Uh, on August 17th, 1982, the entire Corwan family was arrested. Oh, yeah. so okay. I'm not sure what was happening with the mother, but at the, mo- at the time he was only living with his father and his brother and all three of them were arrested.
1: Wow, they must have been so mad.
2: They, I mean, they must have been really freaking confused. And mad. So uh but they actually weren't held for very long, as Corwan confessed and took full responsibility almost immediately.
1: That's the only good thing he's done.
2: That's the only good thing he's done. Um in nineteen eighty three he was in, convicted of four counts of murder and sentenced to death by hanging. Okay. But ten years after ten years on death row, the death penalty was abolished in Hong Kong. And his so, Oh and his sentence was changed to life in prison. Oh, uh, he is
1: why was he on death row for ten years? It's not that difficult. I know. To like just I was literally
2: thinking exactly the same thing. I was like, "How do you? Why does it take so long?" So I read. I read a story about a serial killer in Russia. I've forgotten the guy's name. He was on death row for four days before he was executed.
1: My brother told me one where it was like an hour or something like that. Literally, if they have the solid evidence, they just shoot him in the back of the head.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Corwan is still alive today and is serving his sentence. He's, he's aged, still alive. Yeah, he's aged 62.
1: Sick bastard.
2: So that's, uh, that's the story uh, of Lam Corwan. A uh, little additional note. Um, the Corwan family tried to sell their tiny apartment, but it was such a high, pro- high profile case, the first ever serial killer in Hong Kong, mm. that no one wanted to buy it. So to this day, the father and the brother still live in that apartment. No. Still live in the apartment where their brother and son murdered four women and dismembered the bodies and kept body parts in Tupperware containers.
0: That's
1: a fun little thing to tell the ladies when they come over. Oh, you see this spot? This is where the vagina was.
2: This is where the vagina was and where yours will be. <laughs> and then she freaks out because obviously she thinks that like they're going to kill her, but he was just trying to be sexy. He was trying to be all like, saucy. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. I mean, it was probably ruined by his dad anyway.
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs) but yeah so that was uh, Lam Korwan, the first ever serial killer in Hong Kong that we know of
1: interesting story gross man
2: incredibly gross man
1: you could have said you could have said Bundy and Gein
2: yeah I should have said Bundy and Gein realising he's kind of an amalgamation of Bundy and Gein absolutely the preservation of the human vagina was kind of that screams Gein
1: It wasn't silver though, so...
2: It wasn't painted silver. I think one of my favourite ones, uh, one of the weirdest ones that Ed Gein did was he had a set of blinds and he got a pair of of human lips where he put the bottom lip at the bottom of the blind and the top lip on the blind. So when you closed them, it was like a closing mouth. That's that's disgusting and horrific, but it's kind of, you know, kind of funny.
1: It would be funny if it was a cartoon.
2: Yes. Yes. Someone draw it. Someone, I would love to see that. Just Ed Gein, like, just laughing, making himself laugh, just like, oh yeah, oh. Look like when that.
1: you make you put lips on your on your hands and then you make them talk and you're like, hello there.
2: <laughs> or like, or he just imagines it's a blind screaming at the daylight. He's just like, oh god, let me just open the blinds there. <laughs> oh, lucky look closed close the blinds. They weren't too happy about that. <laughs> oh, mother wouldn't like it.
1: That was. An incredible gain impression.
2: Thank you. I, I've been working on my geen.
1: Working on your geen.
2: <laughs> working on my geen. So yeah, uh, that's the story. Yeah. Yours was insane. Absolutely crazy.
1: I know. But it was more depressing than yours. Yours had a, a few, few more laughs in it.
2: Well, mine was super depressing, but I tried to like zazz it up. because otherwise... I was just
1: so depressed by mine that I couldn't zazz it.
2: Yeah, because you told me that yours was so depressing.
1: And then I was also reading it in a way that I was evidently depressed by it. Yeah, clearly. Anyhow, that's uh, Sam's story, and that's the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Killing It Crime, on Instagram at Killing It Crimecast. Um, no G's, just Killing It, because we're hip like that. And please rate us five stars on the Apple Podcasts app if you can. That would help us out a bunch. We would love it. Thank you to those who already have. That's fantastic. Currently, five out of five for all reviews.
2: Absolutely. Loving that.
1: And that's it from us. See yeah. you next week.
2: See you next week. Bye, guys.